You're listening to Discover Hope with Pastor Tom Leake of Hope Bible Church in Columbia, Maryland. In the midst of hard things are going to be some of the most blessed things you will ever experience in life. Am I right? Am I right? I said, am I right? You've been through a hard thing and you trusted God in it. Isn't that one of the most blessed things you treasure in your life right now? God knew what he was talking about after all. Wow. Isn't it amazing? But worldly desire in the heart stifles prayer. Is that you? Don't give up. Do not give up. Have you ever coached yourself like this? People, blessings come through hardships when your right to self is yielded to Jesus. And what a relief that is. Today, Pastor Tom continues describing how things and the thinking of this world will negatively affect the condition of the heart. He also discusses what you may have been wondering. Why aren't my prayers being answered? What's the motive behind your prayers? Are they aligned with your desires or God's? Now here's Pastor Tom in the book of James chapter 4 as he continues his message, The Cure for Worldliness. You didn't get it, whatever the it was, the grades, the girls, whatever it was, the nice shoes, I don't know what it was. And you feel empty and it stays with you a long period of time. It's really not a laughing matter. It doesn't go away. Other people get the better stuff. After a while, you begin to feel like, you know, I'm a loser. I would never say that outwardly because I, I have too much pride to admit it, but I'm a loser. You never wanted to be a loser. And now you're starting to think inside like, I'm a loser. I didn't get what I wanted. And you can't obtain it. It was the, the great grades and other people got it and they went to the better schools and, and you, you just, you know, you didn't get to go to the better schools, you know. I went to a very distinguished university, Frostburg. Oh, you're laughing at my alma mater now. It's graduated from, a, it was a teacher's school, and then it was a state college, and now it's a university. Maybe it was your parents' approval. You always wanted your parents' approval, but your dad, he just was hard. He was just hard. He just never really liked anything you ever did, you know, or mom. Maybe it was that athletic body. He thought you are going to grow taller. That was one that got me, you know. You're going to be taller. You're going to grow this year. I didn't grow that year. They tell you, that the teachers tell you, you're going to grow this year. That didn't happen. I was gypped. I was cheated. <laughs> or it was that pretty girl that turned into another pretty girl, and you got kept turned down and turned down and turned down. You began to think, I never get what I want. You think of yourself as a loser. Or that tall, handsome man. Or that more respectable job. At least, maybe if you didn't have that other stuff, you'd get that respectable job. You know. But now you just look at your job, and it's like, there's nothing special about it. And you know, in, in that kind of an environment, you could even begin to hate yourself, to hate yourself, to loathe your life. But the truth is, you don't actually hate yourself. This is hard to understand, but you don't actually hate yourself. The truth is, you love yourself. You're ardently looking after yourself first. If you could have gotten what it is that you wanted to get. You would have grabbed it, put it in the pocket, and you had it. You would have put a big smile on your face. You actually do love yourself. You say you hate yourself, but you actually do love yourself. You hate how your life has turned out. That's what you hate, but you love yourself. The proof of that is you're pursuing those pleasures, those fulfillments for yourself. 
You're, you're more ardently doing that than you are trying to help other people with their problems. The love of self generates zeal for fulfilling passions, their goals in life, their longings, their dreams, and you're chasing those, and that proves you love yourself. You want what you want when you want it, and you think you ought to get it, and you work hard at it. If you don't get it, you're angry because you believe you deserve it. And if you don't get it and don't get it and don't get it, you hate how your life has become. You hate how your life has turned out. And yes, that can cause depression because of unfulfilled envy and self-love. And when people stand in your way, no matter who they are, it could be someone who's a friend, someone you've committed yourself to, you say you love them, and and they're your friend, but you're going to fight them because they're standing in the way. The wife standing in the way. Anybody. They're your friend when they're helping you fulfill the lust, but when they're not helping you fulfill the lust, they're no longer a friend. Eh, I don't need them anymore, you say. They don't really get me. They don't understand me. But really what you're saying is, I'm not going to be faithful to them because they're going to help me fulfill my lusts. I don't like them anymore. And you dump the relationship. And sometimes this can get so bad, as we saw, it can lead to murder. But it can also lead to the murder of self which we call suicide. You can hate your life so much for unfulfilled things, you can commit murder of self. Because you just hate the way your life has turned out. You might as well not live. If I can't can't get it, and I can't get it, and I can never get it, then what is the point of living? The point of living was you're not supposed to be living for your own pleasures. The point of living is you're supposed to be living for the will of God, and you can always get that, always. Beloved, in these cases, the solution is not taking medicine to overcome depression. The secret is not found in some so-called scientific therapy. The solution is not in yoga meditation. The problem is your envy. The problem is your lusts. God said that. That's where the locus is. That's where the problem is, right there. It's fixed there. You have to deal with that. You can't keep pushing it off. You can't keep excusing yourself. You have to deal with what is wrong on the inside and what God says is wrong is wrong. You have to deal decisively in repentance with your lusts. It may kill you or someone else if you don't. Or it just may cause you to die a very slow death over the years. When your goal is getting what you want, the focus is all on yourself. You spend time chasing things. And really, we said this last time, even when you get those things, even when you get those things, you find out they don't satisfy anywhere near as much as you thought they would. You hold the trophy, so to say, in your hand. You finally, you pursued it. You chased it. You finally got it. You take it home. You're telling everyone you're so happy. But when the lights are off and you're by yourself and you're honest with yourself, you know, this isn't as good as I thought it was going to be. There's still something missing. And over time, when the greatness of all that feeling that you thought you were going to have, that you finally arrived and you achieved what you've been trying to achieve for decades, and you get there and it's not all that good, you put the trophy on the shelf, you kind of look at it, and then you go chasing something new, something else that you're envying, something else that you think will fulfill. It just goes on. Let the chase begin again, and there it is. And you think that's what's going to fulfill your life. That sounds pretty bad, doesn't it? I mean, it paints a pretty bleak picture here. But we haven't gone as bad as we can go. 
Look at verse 2 again, because if you're a believer, it gets even more frustrating in your sin. Because worldly desire distances you from God. This is still part of the diagnosis here. Here, they're given in verses 2 and following there, in the middle of verse 2 and following, two more reasons for their frustration. And these reasons stand side by side as explanations. The first is prayerlessness. You do not have, see that emptiness still? You do not have, you don't have these things in your life because you do not, what? Ask. Much of what you're missing in your life right now, much of what makes it empty, that hole that you have inside, that ever-present emptiness that never seems to go away, just gets distracted from time to time, is there because you're not asking, you're not searching for God's blessing and gift in your life. It's there because of prayerlessness. You say, what? Yes, prayerlessness. You do not have because you do not ask. Ask for what? Well, James doesn't specify what he's referring to in asking, but in the context, it has something to do. It has to have something to do with what they're envying, what they want, what they think's missing from their life that they're pursuing, bringing some need, some desire. You're supposed to bring those inner desires to God, and you're supposed to ask him, help me. And they're not doing that. They're not dependent on him. See, James is not correcting prayerlessness like we often do, like you're being prayerless because you're too busy. You need to stop being so busy, you need to stop and, and, and start praying. That's not really what he's correcting here. He doesn't say anything about how busy you are. Rather, it's because you're too independent. You're, you're there and your mind is thinking that there, your life is too independent from the things that God wants to do in your life, and that's why there's prayerlessness there. You're not bringing something to God, you're not bringing that need and that desire to God, and because of that, you lack, and because you lack, you languish. Some things are absent from our lives, and we don't ask for them, and we don't get them. Sometimes our kids are like that. We would give certain things to our children if they just would come and ask, right? Right? I mean, they don't have it because they don't ask, correct? That's the way it is. That's just the way it is. They just need to learn to come and ask and ask nicely and depend on it, and then boom, they might get it, but they don't ask. It's exactly the same way with us, with God. You say, really, I thought the sovereignty of God. I don't know about all the sovereignty of God and how that fits with your asking, but I do know this. If you don't ask, you don't get. So you have to fit that into your theology somehow. You can't just say, well, if the Lord wants me to have it, it'll crawl across my path. No, you got to go ask for it. And you may have to ask for it seriously before you get it. That's how God is with us. He's the Father above. He wants to dispense things to us, and he's not going to. Why not? You didn't ask. You're too independent. It's prayerlessness or weak praying, barely praying. It proves you don't really want what God wants to give to you. What you want, and maybe in your mind it goes this way, I'm not going to ask God because I know he's not going to give it to me because I know it's wrong. And that's why you're prayerless. You already know you're on wrong standing with God. Well, don't bring that one to him. Many believers don't bring their yearnings to God because what they're pursuing is not what God wants them to pursue, and they know it. They're trying to fulfill it all outside of God's will. They don't really trust God's will. God's will sounds hard. God's will is for missionaries who have to go and suffer. I don't want God's will in my life. I want my will and a little bit of God in my life. Because God's will is hard. Okay, then. Then you won't get God's will. And you won't pursue God's will. And you won't know how good it is. You won't ever understand the blessing that comes with pursuing God's will wholeheartedly. Because you just don't think God knows how to fulfill you. He doesn't understand you. He doesn't know how to make you happy, but you do. You're just so smart. You've been around a lot longer than God and figured out a lot more than he has. 
Now, you could school him, couldn't you? Now, of course, he's going to take you through hard things. In the midst of hard things are going to be some of the most blessed things you will ever experience in life. Am I right? Am I right? I said, am I right? You've been through a hard thing and you trusted God in it. Isn't that one of the most blessed things you treasure in your life right now? God knew what he was talking about after all. Wow. Isn't it amazing? But worldly desire in the heart stifles prayer. Is that you? Push the will of God aside. I know what I want. I'm not going to share it with the church people. Oh, no, but I know what I want. You're oohing and on over that, that beautiful home. Oh, my. The one in the picture, you know? Wow. The shiny new motorcycle. You just have to have it. You know you have to have it. You have to have it. And you push it away, it keeps coming back. Push it away, I just have to have that thing. That's how I envision my life. On top of that motorcycle, that's me. Or that new gaming console drooling over it in GameStop. Or new bedroom furniture. We were dealing with that. We walked into Costco and we're looking at this furniture like, look at the price on that. Look at that furniture. Look at the price on that. Look at the furniture. Look at our bedroom. Look at the furniture. Look at the bedroom. Look back at the furniture. Snap out of it. You're fine. You're happy. You're content. And there's that pleasure and that lust and that envy. Others have it. You've seen it in their homes. They get it. And the wife often turns to the husband, honey, you know, the Smiths have it. It makes the husband feel terrible. What does all that do? As it wells up, it eclipses your desire to pray. You had a desire to pray. You, you had it, and then somehow a few days later, a week later, it's gone. Where did it go? Right there. Just went away because you eclipsed it with all the worldly desire, prayerlessness. You're too busy checking your app for the sale that's going to pop up before you checked your prayer list. Free items go quickly, I noticed on Hope Book. <laughs> I wonder how often prayer items get prayed for on Hope Book. Is it just a faithful 10 or is it everybody? Your prayer goal gets fizzled in the pond of worldly complacency. This is how some believers live. You go to classes, off to school, in a hurry, 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 go, go, get to school, school will advance you, school will make you better. What about your time with God? Does that matter? Did you pray with God this morning? No, I mean, he'll be there tomorrow. <laughs> I can't be late for school. So you don't pray. In this, you are imitating the unbeliever. That's how the unbeliever lives his life. He wakes up in the morning, he's like, I got things to do. And you know something? He doesn't pray. And he goes to school, and he makes good grades. He graduates. He moves on. Graduates. He gets, a, he gets a nice job. He gets a promotion. He did it all without praying. See? That's how he lives his life. So what's the point of praying? God's will. The unbeliever doesn't live God's will. He doesn't know it. He doesn't understand it. He doesn't think it's any good at all. He doesn't get it. They have no use for God. If they're going to use God, if God's going to come up, then God's going to come up as a lucky charm, yes? It's just like anything else. You get a product, the product better work. You go to God, God better work. If he doesn't work, I got no use for him. He didn't help me fulfill my goals. People turn to religion all the time and try to appease the spirits or whatever it is. Help my crops to grow. Send rain. 
God, fulfill my desires. And that's what false religion is. Once in a while, we find a reason for heavy praying. The kids are sick. All of a sudden, now you found prayer. Wow, you found prayer. You lost your job. You're on your knees. But those moments come and go. Thank you, Lord, so long. Most of life just goes right back on track. You want more of what you want. By the way, if you're going through one trial after another after another, God's probably trying to get your attention. He's trying to frustrate everything about you. So you just stop going the direction you're going. Stop it. Turn around and go the other direction. Something like uh, in the Bible says something about the father chastens those whom he loves, right? He's after you and he loves you. He loves you and so he's messing up your life. Because where you're heading is wrong and he knows it. He's a good father and he's a lot wiser than you and me. So we pray lightly. And what I mean by pray lightly is, you know, you have a request. What were the requests you prayed for? I don't remember. I think I had some requests there. I don't really keep track of them. That's praying lightly. That's praying not so seriously. So you're praying seriously, you're writing it down. Lord, you haven't answered yet. Lord, I've been on that one for months. I'm going to leave it on there because I'm clinging to you. I know you're going to bring this about. If I'm not going to bring that about, show me how I need to change that request so I can do what you want me to do. See, because I'm confused. I've been praying for that one. I think that's what the word says, but it hasn't been answered yet. I'm going to cling to it. If I need to learn something else, give me the wisdom so my prayer request gets better because I want it answered. That's praying the way you should be praying, right? That's clinging to God. You know, sometimes we see uh, the requests come up in communities and small groups, you know, pray for my, and what comes out, like what's the percentage of that? What comes out is pray for my health because I can't fulfill anything else in my life that I want to do if I'm not healthy. So health is the foundation of all my lusts. So church, pray for my health. No, there's nothing wrong with praying for health. You guys pray for my health. I'm very glad for it. And the other set of prayer requests is pray for my and it won't come out this way, but this is how it is. Pray for my wealth. Health, wealth. If I got that, then God has served me very well. Man, he fits my design. I got use for God now. But not if he doesn't do that. If I'm sick and I'm poor, I'm done with this Christianity stuff. I'm out of here. Well, who's the more worldly person now? The guy with five tattoos and a nose ring and a ponytail and a leather jacket sitting upon his Harley who happens to pray earnestly and submit his life to Jesus Christ and witness for the name of Christ and is very content when his Harley breaks? Or you? Who's more worldly? Well, there's still more to descend into here in verse 3. He has one more part of this diagnosis. And that is God's rejection of prayer requests. This one really hurts. Because right now you should be saying, all right, I'm going to get busy praying. And then you come to verse 3, it's going to slap it all down. You ask and do not receive because you ask with wrong motives. So that, and here it is, here's the controlling principle. Here it is so that you can spend it on your life's plan, pleasures. Sometimes the believer does pray. They do make the request to God. But the outcome is exactly the same as the believer who doesn't pray. Did you notice? Those guys don't get anything from God either. 
I mean, the first group of people doesn't pray, and so they get nothing from God. The second group of people does pray, and they get nothing from God. Man, why doesn't God give them what they ask? Well, let's go through um, how the mind often deals with this. God, you don't care about me. That is exactly what Satan wants you to think. Yep. You've absorbed his teaching and his voice well, and you've bought into that. It's exactly how Satan wants you to. God, you're not giving me because you don't care. That's right. Satan is smiling, and that's exactly what you're supposed to think with his doctrine. He don't care about you. Or does the prayer not get answered because prayer doesn't work? Prayer doesn't work. Prayer is you talking to the ceiling. God's all imaginary there. This is the worldly wise man who wants you to think this way, right? Yeah, why are you bothering praying? Just get up and go do what you need to go do. This praying thing silly to them. That's the worldly wise man. Then there is, um, you're praying to the wrong God. See, if you would pray to Allah or Mary, you'd get your prayers answered, the false religionist would say to you, right? No, 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 none of that. The answer is, you're asking the right God, maybe even some of the right requests, with the wrong what? Motives. Ouch. Motives. Actually, wrong motives is one word. Kakos, an adverb, means badly or evil. It refers to moral evil. Wrong motives. Really fleshed out, I think, with the next explanation. So you can spend it on your pleasures. There's pleasures again. Spending it on the pleasures, spending it. Give me so that I can spend it. We like to spend. Do you like to spend? I mean, who wants to go to the mall and not spend, right? Who wants to go see all the things in Wegmans and not spend? You go to spend. You want something in your hand, your wallet, your card, so you can spend. Spend is dapanao. Interestingly, it's the same term that's used uh, in the parable of the prodigal son, the lost son, as David Moore recently preached on it, that he went and spent all this stuff before he was found. Remember that? He spent his father's inheritance on all of his pleasures. And then he was empty again, literally and spiritually. He took what the father had given him, and he blew it all. What did he blow it all on? Answer? His pleasures. He loved himself, see? He loved himself. And uh, he spent on himself. He was a worthy thing to spend on, he thought. Well, the same with us sometimes. All those pleasures waging war inside of us, they become so strong, they can actually invade our prayer life. We, we can be so consumed by what we want, we actually can talk to God as if he better get in line with what we want. God, get these things for me. If you're up there, if you're listening, if you love me, this is what I want. It's on my Santa Claus list. You're the big Santa Claus. Make it happen. Do you think that the Lord can be manipulated like that? Imagine us fasting and yelling and praying and shaking and God's going to answer and still God doesn't answer prayers like that. He can't be manipulated like that. It's so futile to do that. I think a lot of people turn away from having tried Christ and they're now out of the church and they've gone the way of the world because they won't admit it, but they really tried to use God that way and it didn't work for them. Something happened in their life they didn't like, they prayed, 
it didn't go the way they thought it would go and they're just they're just kind of done with God they're done with it they don't believe in Christianity anymore because they didn't really understand Christianity in the first place they never really got the relationship in the first place God won't allow prayer to be used that way he's holy Pastor Tom talked today about identifying all those things in your life that indulge in the selfishness of your soul and disrupts your relationship with your Heavenly Father. To persevere in times of defeat or hardship is to know the blessing that Jesus so freely gives you. Pastor Tom encouraged you to be real with yourself. Admit that your heart is full of all these things that stop you from growing closer in a relationship with God. With sad yet hope-filled hearts, We want to let you know that Pastor Tom Leake, the voice you've been listening to today, has gone home to be with Jesus. Pastor Tom served the Lord faithfully here on earth for 24 years, pastoring thousands and helping to create a network of like-minded churches in the Mid-Atlantic region. He shared the gospel unashamedly, shining light into this dark world. Pastor Tom will be missed, but we rejoice that he is healed and with his Savior. If you would like to learn more about Pastor Tom and his legacy, visit HopeBible.org. Now, here's a preview of the next edition of Discover Hope. You'll want to tune in next time to hear Pastor Tom compare prayer to a genie or a golden ticket. Are you one of those people that only pray when things are bad? And then when everything is just the way you think it should be, you don't need God? This mindset, in reality, speaks to a non-existent faith. You can't hop back and forth between Jesus' way and the world. Dear ones, are you praying to fulfill your desires instead of God's? Thanks for tuning in today for Discover Hope. If you'd like to hear more teachings from Pastor Tom, visit HopeBibleChurch.org. There's much more to learn from the book of Acts. So we hope you'll join us again right here on Discover Hope. Discover Hope.